What if everything we were told about how to be happy and to live a successful life was wrong? What if the answers to our questions about how to live fully lay directly within ourselves? Hi, I'm Lisa. I help women just like you heal from their limiting beliefs and step into their power by connecting with their bodies. In this podcast, Evolve or Remain, I teach you how, through your human design, my life coaching skills, and spirituality. The payoff is big, and nothing is more worthwhile than embodying your best self. Let's make big changes together. Hello, and welcome back to the Evolve or Remain podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Healy. So today, I have a very personal episode for you. I am going to share some more details about my story, my divorce story in particular. In my conversation with Ashley Brooke on episode 21, she mentioned that she thought my audience would really appreciate hearing my whole story. And at the time, I dismissed it. But as I thought about it more, I realized that I needed to go deeper and share in more detail how I got to this stage in my life and weave in the learning and growth that have happened. So I wanted to dedicate this podcast to that. I believe that inner child healing and issues are at the core of our blocks and deficits, and that is absolutely true for me. I grew up in a home where there was love. My parents were together for almost 50 years when my dad passed away. We were comfortable, upper middle class, everyone was healthy, and all of my basic needs were met. It wasn't common at that time for families to be emotionally available, and mine was very typical of the times. I have a younger brother who is three years younger than me, and I was a curious, active, fun-loving kid who had friends. I got along well with other people, and I was pretty social. My brother, on the other hand, was not so social. Although he did have friends, he was very shy and had a hard time connecting with others as a young child. He had very strong athletic skills, exceptional, in fact, and that was a pillar of his childhood. He struggled in school, requiring extra help from teachers and from my parents, in particular from my father, who was the educated one of the two. For me, when I completed my homework in honors classes very quickly and easily and got mostly A's and B's, my brother, on the other hand, struggled, and he and my father spent literally hours every night on his homework all through school into high school, at least until I left for college when he was a freshman in high school. My father was a dentist who owned his solo practice. He revealed to me later in life after he retired that he never enjoyed dentistry, but chose it as a career because he knew it would be a way to support a family and that his parents encouraged him to do that. He was doing the quote unquote right thing. My mom was of the generation who believed that the main goal in life for women is to find a great husband and to be a caregiver for her family. Their relationship was traditional, and that was a sign of the times. They rarely argued. My dad was a strong personality, and he was definitely in charge, and that was that. For me, in terms of romantic relationships, I didn't really have any boyfriends in high school and was very curious about sex and relationships since I had little or no experience at the time. When I entered college at the University of Pittsburgh, I quickly found a boyfriend and began a relationship that lasted the full four years of my college career. I dove right in. During that time, I had several encounters which were outside of my relationship, about which my boyfriend knew nothing. 
At the end of college, I knew I was going to break up with my boyfriend and I had already started talking to someone else. I ended one relationship and moved into my next one without any time to process the past. No time to myself, if anything, maybe avoiding that and seamlessly, codependently moving into the next relationship. And that was my story for the next several years. I had some long-term relationships. One would slowly begin before the past one ended. I now understand that this pattern of moving from relationship to relationship has several issues. When I look back on this time and my behavior, I realize this happened because I never had trust in myself. I was afraid to share with my boyfriend my true feelings for fear of rejection and being misunderstood. I was afraid of being alone in the process, and I avoided conflict at all costs. And this ultimately stemmed from people-pleasing. I now realize that my good girl people-pleasing conditioning affected my ability to deal with conflict. Good girl conditioning is messaging that we receive in childhood to be agreeable and polite and nice. Many girls are told directly or indirectly to never show our anger, as girls are supposed to be nice and smile and look pretty. And, but this results in letting others violate our boundaries and we hide our needs so that we can please others. Young girls who take on these traits are rewarded in families and within society. They're often seen as mature for their age. Their worth comes from sacrificing their own needs and in order to tend to the needs of others. Being a good girl comes with a high price, though, because we aren't able to say we're uncomfortable to tell someone no and set a boundary or express how we truly feel. From a young age, girls start to go into freeze or fawn trauma response because of this. The messaging is clear. External appearance is more important than internal feelings. No good girl can appear rude. She learns to disconnect from her emotions in order to appease those around her. As these situations occur throughout childhood, the good girl comes to believe that her role in the social setting is to be liked, and this leads to hypervigilance as a focus on what people think of her. How she appears and if she is being well-received when she isn't in a freeze, disassociated state. She is in a fawn, appeasing state, going along with or avoiding conflict. Good girls don't learn important relational skills like voicing their needs, placing boundaries, or conflict resolutions, and eventually they become angry, very angry but they've been taught to fear their anger or to believe it means something is wrong with them until they awaken to the truth that their anger is valid and their role in life isn't to be liked, but it is to be authentic and that's okay. And I know I've talked about anger in the recent episode. I can link it in the show notes. I heard this messaging loud and clear growing up. I had strong opinions and I voiced them without really thinking about how others might be affected by them. I learned that this was not welcome and was made to feel that my opinions were not important. When this messaging comes to you at a young age, it is internalized very quickly and implemented. First, there is an insecurity in being alone, an unfamiliar feeling, a feeling of discomfort. So if you're not trusting yourself, then this is what's going to come out. I also see that I was unable to address my feelings and emotions in relationships as I didn't have the vocabulary or the experience to openly discuss my issues. 
I had no examples of sharing emotions in a healthy way, so I avoided it as it was uncomfortable and unfamiliar. I absolutely had boundary issues. I didn't understand them at all. I also did not believe that my feelings mattered. Because I was raised in a way that, was, that told me that it didn't really matter what I wanted, I was to do certain things, and that was that. I applied to several colleges all over the country, and I got into most of them. I never traveled, and I was really eager to explore, and I saw this college experience as an opportunity to try to live in a new place. But when it came down to deciding where to go, my dad pretty much told me where I was going. I was going to the University of Pittsburgh, and that was the end of it. There was no conversation. And yes, I had a great experience there, and I hadn't lived in Pittsburgh, so it was still fulfilling that need. But I was sent messaging that what I wanted was not important, and there was no conversation. When my parents asked me if I wanted to have a bat mitzvah, I said no, not really, because there's so much work and studying involved. At the time, it didn't seem appealing. And so they said, oh, okay, sure. They never really pushed me to do that. But for my brother, there was absolutely a double standard. It wasn't even an option for him. He had to have one. So my messaging was that some things are okay for boys and different for girls. And I know this is typical of that era as well. This is not me blaming my parents, but it took me 45 years to recognize these patterns. It took deep inner work, therapy, deep meditation, lots of personal work to identify my patterns. I am looking to be the best, most authentic version of myself. I met my first husband through a mutual friend. We had a great connection and so much fun together. When we started out, he was a medical student and I was working a job in Philadelphia. We had a great friendship and a love connection, and things were exciting and felt aligned at the time between us. It was very easy to move to getting engaged and married. I was connected emotionally and intellectually with him, and I felt really good about that. We loved one another in a way that made a lot of sense to me as a woman in my late 20s. I was content and excited about my future. His family was pretty affluent. His dad was a successful surgeon, and his siblings were doctors and nurses. They had very high standards as far as education and achievement. All of that seemed appropriate at the time, but I now recognize that in my circle of friends and family, he checked the boxes and made it easy for me to dive in. He was intelligent, kind, and generous, and would be a great provider for a family. We were married for 20 years. Over time, I lost who I was. I became so enmeshed with running the household and raising three kids that was my identity, which I know is common for many women. I have no regrets about staying home and being there for all the things for my family. Over time, I began to feel disconnected from myself and from what I wanted. I began to recognize the areas where I didn't support what I wanted, and I held no boundaries for them. Like when he started his private practice, and he and the accountant asked me to take care of all the bookkeeping for the business. I made it clear that I didn't want to do that. I had no interest in finance, and I didn't think that I would do a good job. I was basically forced to take this role, and it lasted for 14 years, to the point that I even came home from having my third child after a C-section, and within a few hours of arriving home, I had to work on the bookkeeping. Things like that caused anger to brew more and more in me. He was very ambitious and competitive about his practice. Over time, when we were financially stable and abundant, he was working late into the night. 
I stated again and again that I preferred that he would be home with me if that would be okay in the evening. And I said I was okay if it meant that he didn't bring in the extra money that he was able to in those late hours and that working until 6 or 7 p.m. would be preferred. That made no difference. The business became the priority focus of his life. I felt like I came in second and I never got over that feeling because I knew in my heart that I deserved to be number one. There was no doubt that love was there for me and the kids, but a shift in focus had occurred. I became angry over time as I realized that I wasn't a priority, or at least I didn't feel like one. I began to feel like I fit a role, a pretty wife who took care of the house and the kids. I didn't rock the boat. In truth, my needs weren't being met as we didn't have enough time together to have the emotional connection that I needed. At the time, I didn't understand what and why I was feeling this way. It has taken me years to understand that. I didn't understand or even know I was angry. I am saying that in retrospect. I now know that the reason I was resentful and angry because I came second. I didn't come first. I didn't feel recognized for who I was other than as a mom who took care of the family and of the house and all the things surrounding that. I felt unworthy, unseen, unappreciated, and taken for granted. And I felt this way for many years. All of my basic needs were met in terms of the comforts in life. I lived an affluent lifestyle. I had nice things. I traveled. All the material things. As time passed, my frustration became more and more apparent. Things began to get more stressful between us. We weren't connecting, and we were both becoming frustrated and angry and disgruntled because of it. To be honest, there were a few things that happened over the years that were deal breakers for me. One was that when we moved, he had absolutely nothing to do with making the deal or moving. I was in charge of everything. Yes, I was the one who wanted to move. But on moving day, he didn't even take time off work. Again, the priorities were clear. The other deal breakers are personal and I won't share them here, but I was shown that I wasn't being treated in the way that I knew I deserved to be. It was so tough listening to the whispers from within, telling me things weren't okay. I was in no position to know how to handle any of it. All I knew was what I had, where I currently was. But what had been comfortable was no longer. I was beginning to feel violated emotionally and disrespected. Different suggestions were arising of doing things that I wasn't comfortable with and which made me feel like my boundaries were being crossed. I now see that those whispers were from my higher self saying that I needed to do something big. I wasn't in a place where I was ready yet, but the awareness was arising in me and becoming more conscious. Eventually, we separated and tried some couples therapy which only revealed how far apart we really were in terms of how to approach our differences. The foundational question came to the surface. Did I want to continue with our marriage? At this moment, my world changed. The strangest thing happened. My body started to talk. Well, actually scream at me. My body screamed, say it, tell him, no, tell him, no. You don't want to continue. Every cell in my body was speaking to me. I had never experienced this feeling before. I didn't think if I thought I would have talked myself out of it. I just responded, no, I don't want to stay. The seas parted. 
So here I'm going to quote the beautiful words of Cheryl Strayed from her book, Tiny Beautiful Things. When should I go? When should I leave? And how do I stay? When you hear a small, clear voice telling you, go, even though you love him, go, even though he's kind and faithful and good to you, go, even though there is nowhere to go, go, even though you don't know exactly why you can't stay. Once I heard that voice, I couldn't unhear it. So instead, I tried not to listen. But women, you have to listen. There are so many reasons we should stay. And there is only one reason to go. Go because you want to. Go because wanting to leave is enough. My body went into a state of excitement. Energy exploded from every center of my being. I was free. I was free. It is impossible to explain how it feels to recreate your life. If you never learned healthy love or didn't have the best examples of how to navigate life, Nobody but you knows how hard it was to pull yourself up from emotional rock bottom. Those lessons made you who you are, and no one can take them away from you. I have been told and now believe that my situation was very unique. Why? Most women are scared to leave the security and stability of an affluent life. How often do you hear about women choosing to leave marriage when they lived an affluent life where they had all the material things? where there was no betrayal and no one cheating, just unfulfilled emptiness. I had safety and security, but that wasn't enough for me to feel fulfilled. I couldn't continue to live in such a disconnected way. My soul knew that there was more for me. We all want to be seen and understood. As a mom, it's common to lose your identity for a period of time. That definitely contributed in my case, but I did not realize it at the time. I had to let go. I had to let go of what people thought of me, which was such a big part of my upbringing, such a big part of the people-pleasing that I was talking about earlier. I didn't realize how big a part of my life that was. It was just part of my conditioning, and I always was someone who just kind of did what everyone else was doing. I didn't really think about what I really wanted because nobody ever really asked me, and I didn't have the confidence to come forward and act that way. So when I had to go out on a limb and make that decision to leave, everything moving forward was finally all about me, about what I wanted. And what I realized was there were a lot of people who disagreed with my choice to leave. And I lost a lot of friends and, of course, some family members through the process. But I slowly realized that the people who were there for me and who supported me were the people I wanted in my life. And it wasn't worth pursuing any of these other people. And what they think of me isn't any of my business anyway, because I have no control over any of that. It started to become easy over time to learn what was for me and what wasn't, something that I never really learned in my life. The other thing that became easier over time and has been the most empowering piece is learning and knowing myself, knowing what I like, what I don't like, and what situations light me up and what situations don't. And I realized that there's a lot of codependency in how I grew up and around the friends I was with in my younger years. I never had the confidence to really go out on a limb and be who I was. As I became a parent and raised my kids, I was very curious about exploring about how I wanted to raise them, and I didn't feel like I did that in a people-pleasing way. 
I share a lot of this because I think it's really common for women, especially of my generation, and I don't think it's common for them to recognize it. I am right now in a place where I did something out of the ordinary that most people wouldn't do. And I have a lot of people who have strong opinions about it. And I just slowly learned that it didn't matter because ultimately I was unhappy and I made the moves and the steps to change my life. And I regret none of them. I quickly recognized how much I felt at peace and how content I was with my decisions. So when I started realizing that everyone around me was telling me I was crazy about what I did, but all I felt was peace and happiness, that's when I knew it was time to start listening to me, start focusing on what I wanted and what my body was telling me. I realize now at that moment when my body was screaming at me and telling me to make the move, that that was my spleen in human design, my authority telling me what decision to make. So when I learned about human design and when I learned about my authority and how it speaks to me, I thought of that moment, that pivotal moment in my life, and I embraced human design because I realized that that's how I've been living ever since then without realizing it. Since I made that decision to move on, I went through a really rocky period where I wasn't really sure what my next steps were going to be. Of course, the divorce was very bitter, very challenging, and I really am not going to get into that piece that wasn't meant to be my focus today. But once that decision was made, let's call it jumping off a cliff, doing the hard thing, the right thing, the scary thing, everything has unfolded for me exactly how I would have wanted. I was able to start working in a dream job for me where I was able to restart my career that had been on hold for 17 years. During that time, it was a dream for me to return to it, but I couldn't imagine how I could. I was so busy with all of my family activities. I was so busy in my household. There was no time for me to dive into retraining and even looking for a job. Around the same time that I found my new job, I found my partner who is now my husband, Ron. Things just quickly started manifesting. The puzzle pieces began to fit into place. I was a new person, a person who knew how to navigate through the world by connecting within. I became much more spiritual. And these lessons that I learned firsthand, these lessons that I learned from my own experience are what I'm here to share with all of you. I will probably share more of my story in the future, but for now, I think I'm going to leave it here. Thank you for listening. You are worthy and you are loved. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. If this content resonated with you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you are ready for change, join my free Facebook group, Evolve or Remain, where you can connect with me and begin your journey to your purpose. The payoff is big and nothing is more worthwhile than embodying your best self. The link is ready for you in the show notes. I'll see you next week.